this afternoon I'm really delighted to welcome a young lady in uh, from Cornwall who calls herself Just Kelly. You're not Just Kelly, are you? You're Kelly, no. you're Kelly Harris. Yes. Four, and you've experienced um, in your short life, I can see you're young. I don't know how old you are, Kelly, but I can see that you've... Uh, I've got a few just turned 39. Just turned, oh gosh, big one coming up shortly then. Crikey, you don't look 39. Good grief. <laughs> so, um, mother of four, and uh, you've been through a, a thing or two, haven't you, in your in your short life? Yes, 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 you could say that. Yes, definitely. Okay, so um, what we're going to talk about today uh, primarily is about um, grief. Yes. How you have coped with it, how, how, it's, how it's affected your life, what it was that affected your life, and how you've, how you've coped with it, and how... How writing, I think, has, has um, had a, you know a big part in in, uh, in that as well. So, so tell us um, where you want to begin from, Kelly, about your um, your grief um, story. Or stories. It's not just yeah. one. Well, it is. It's, it's two stories, isn't it? Really. I mean, it's that's the thing. It's like I I lost twins. Um, that was my first pregnancy, and I was twenty five weeks pregnant and went into spontaneous labour, and they died shortly afterwards. Um, and they lived for a short time on earth, but they did, they were just too premature. So, um, so I lost them and I was only 25 at the time, but I went on, I kind of went on and I, I dealt with it by getting pregnant again very, very quickly because that was kind of my way of dealing with it then. Um, so I continued with my family and things like that. And of course it was incredibly sad, but me and my husband, when, when the twins died, we were kind of on the same page. So we were dealing with everything together. Do you know what I mean? It was, it, as we was grieving, we wanted the same things. We, everything was very synchronized and we both wanted children. So that was kind of where our focus was. And I suppose now in hindsight, that was a bit like just, putting a big plaster over the grief that we just had and it wasn't like we were ignoring it we were just compartmentalizing it you know putting it in Pandora's box so to speak anyway we went on and had family and you don't ever think that that's going to happen to you anyway to lose children but then to go on and, and that happened to you again you know in 2012 we we was about to kind of complete our family so to speak and I went to 38 weeks and suffered a stillbirth um, and that essentially is where my grieving began because that ripped off the plaster from the from obviously from the twins dying and it just had a massive compounding effect on everything you know I felt like I was grieving for three children all at the same time and that was because the grief from before was never really dealt with and me and my husband were not on the same page this time round, and it was incredibly difficult you know he he wanted to help me massively and he wanted to be there for me and I didn't want him to be there for me I was very I was very disconnected to my emotions, very disconnected to my feelings. I went into some incredibly dark places. And that, I suppose, was where my grief, my my journey of grief really began. And that was when I started, you know, um, trying to find help. Well, I didn't actually even think that I needed help for quite a long time because I was in denial. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, it was incredibly difficult. So, um Dare I ask, are you you and your husband still together? We are, we are. Um, I suppose it's a kind of um, 
happy ever after really I suppose we did separate and it was like I said it was incredibly difficult it put a lot of pressure on our um, on our marriage and our relationship because we were dealing with things so differently and you know we did have to part um and it was a bit like going backwards to go forwards again you know it was a bit like having to have time to heal yourself before there was any room for anybody else even my children to a degree do you know what I mean I do still feel incredibly guilty about how I disconnected myself from them as well at the time but I I just it was so difficult to do I didn't know where to go and I didn't know how to heal and I didn't know what I needed um and I felt so responsible for everybody else's emotions related to the deaths of my children you know I felt bad that my mum was sad about it I felt bad that my husband every time I looked at my husband all I could see was pain you know my children were hurting everybody was hurting and I felt responsible for that do you know what I mean and that was you know it's it's not you know it's it's not a self-pity thing it was just a you know, I I just felt like it was my fault. It was my fault that everybody was feeling this way. And obviously it wasn't. But at the time, that's that's why I believe that grief does have such an effect on your mental health when it's not dealt with and when you're not guided through the process and enabled to speak to. And it's not that help isn't out there. It's just the ability to find it or being shown the doors to open you know you don't know where it is because most of the help that's available is charity funded and you know it's not it's not readily available you know there's waiting lists and you just don't know where to go you just and you do and it's such a painful experience you don't really know where to start equally as well I find that grief is one of those things that there's no time on it so amidst when it did happen I almost carried on with life regardless. And then it wasn't until it was almost like a delayed onset of grief. It's it's um, interesting that you say about you feeling responsible for everybody else. And it's not just um, in the situation that you're in. I've, I've heard exactly the same comment this week. Um, a friend of mine is in a hospice and sadly she is she is coming to the end of her life with cancer. And she said that she feels responsible, everybody that comes into her room to see her, she feels responsible for their reaction to what's happening to her. She's okay about it. She's having what we call a good death. So it's an unusual situation, but she's feeling responsible for everybody else. And I think that just shows that you're human. Yeah. Um, But where do you go for help? Who do you go? So so how did you, how did you deal with it? I mean, how have you dealt with it? How are you, how are you dealing with things? It took me a long time. It did take me a long time. It took a lot, you know, every bit of the time, I think, when you when you reach that dark place. Ideally, obviously, it would the ideal process would be to be guided from the moment that you've lost somebody um, down a, a path where there's where you feel like you're not being judged and that there's an open, you know, that you know there's avenues to go to when you're feeling like you just need reassurance that actually it's okay to feel like that. And I think that the process, there isn't, there isn't, it's broken. So everything that you, when you need to find help, it's all on, you need to obviously accept that you need it to be able to then look for it. So you just have to use the channels that everybody else does, I suppose, which is, which is what I did, which was use the internet and Google places for help and things like that. But 
I don't think that's an ideal an ideal situation. I think there should be more of a smoother transition from, you know, from especially, you know, when you lose a child or, but again, I suppose grief does change depending on the circumstances. Do you mean, is it um, like losing somebody to a fatal accident or very quickly compared to losing somebody who has, you know, suffered with or battled with a long-term illness? You know, the grief, the process is a very different situation. I don't, I don't think they are, Kelly. I think um, grief is grief. I don't don't care what you call it, how you dress it up, you know, mm. whether it's, like you say, long-term illness, losing a person, even losing a job, you know, being made redundant, that is grief, you know, in, in, mm. in, the, in the simplest sense. Grief is grief, and we're all different, and how we react to it is different. Yeah. Um, That's it. We are all different. And, and as you say, it's, it's accepting it, but I think acknowledgement, um, I've got this thing called the four A's, so acknowledge, so whatever the situation is that you're in, acknowledge what's happened, don't brush it under the carpet, but again, even acknowledging something, you know, lots of people go around uh, their head in the sand uh, in denial, but uh, once you get to the stage of acknowledging what's happened to you, you then need to go to the acceptance, hmm. and then aligning with whatever action you need to take, so kind of four A's. But yeah, it's easy for me just to say that. Oh yes, the four A's: um, acknowledge, accept, align, and act. So um, yeah, it's, it's you know it's, it's it's easy to say acknowledge, accept, align, and act. But the actual process of doing that can can be you know weeks. Some people go straight yeah. to uh, to act, but a lot of people it's years. And and with your case of losing Elliot, that was that six years already now. Six yeah, years, yeah, two thousand and twelve. Yeah. So coming on coming on seven years this year. Yeah. Um we lost we lost my granddaughter. She was 17 months old and she had the MMR jab and died ten days later. So um that's coming up now nine years, but it still hurts, you know, it's yeah. still, you know, that's the thing, there's no there is no time for grief. And I think, you know, when you're saying about the A's, there's I wrote a lot about acceptance and this you know, the stages of grief. I think I called it 50 shades of grief yes. um, on yeah. my on my blog. Um, and, you know, anger was one thing. Yes. I was angry at everybody, the world, myself. So that's another A. Understandably, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Angry, yeah, yeah. I shall add that to my list of A's, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so so what was it that kind of was the trigger then for you? Um, when When did you start to get help how long how long was it and what where did you um it was it was some time um before I it was about six months six possibly even longer than that really um it was definitely towards the end of the first year after losing Elliot that things really spiraled out of control and everyone you know everyone around you who cares for you and, and knows you well enough tells you that you need help and you know you could do with talking to somebody or you're not your, yourself but until you accept mm. that that's what you need it's like talking to a brick wall um but yeah I think and again I think sometimes that acceptance needs to take you to a dark place for you to then realize it's almost like a switch being switched on and you're like oh it's like I need to do something now before yeah. it's too late do you the know? only way is up and your only way is up. So, yeah. And then and I went to, I'd had quite a lot of um, therapy. So I had some grief counselling that I waited for. Also had some CBT counselling and some talk therapy. Um, 
and they all worked very differently but eventually it was writing that I found that really helped because I found it very difficult to open up and talk without bursting into tears whenever I talked about it you know it's so it's so personal to me that talking about it hurt quite a lot and that was what I found very difficult but I found writing was a way of me getting it down on paper and then my then my counsellors would read what I'd wrote and it gave us a topic to talk about. Yes. Yeah, you didn't have, you didn't have to give guidance. You didn't so, have to regurgitate it all over again. And each time you do that, you're opening the wounds again, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So writing became a really good way of me advocating how I felt. And, you know, my counsellors were able to, you know, take parts from that. And, you know, it, it was, you know, talking is the biggest healing healer of all, I think. You know, just just talking about anything to do with it you know just being an open book and chatting to anyone is a really great way of just getting those emotions off of your chest and just getting them out there into the world you know what I mean rather than keeping it in you know and that's that's the worst thing ever I think is absolutely and that's why a lot of people that I I mentor through cancer they they struggle with because you can put as many lotions and potions and therapies and all sorts uh, with whatever condition you're dealing with but if you don't deal with the emotional root um which is which is a cause of nearly every illness going then you're not going to heal so emotional um expression to me is one of the biggest things that you can do to help yourself whether it's writing talking you know how, painting you know however you express yourself I think that's really important so yeah that's excellent so what about your husband in all this Kelly did he did he receive any help he did, yeah he did have some counseling um he had some counseling counseling quite early on um and it's really funny although we've spoke we do speak about it and we did at the time it's almost like we've come to a point where we discuss we don't really talk about our journey to each other do you mean and that that's not a bad thing I think obviously it's still quite painful at times to even discuss it with each other I think when it's birthdays and Christmas we talk about things we talk about you know what what would it be like now you know that sort of a conversation but you know our grief journey is still quite personal to each of us so I'm not sure whether that's because we hurt each other you know that that old saying hurt people hurt people is is, is so, so true you know I was hurting he was hurting and we were you know essentially hurting each other mm. um so you know to talk we haven't really talked about our grief journey together so to speak but you know we are fine we've 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 come back together if anything we're stronger than ever now so you know it's it's kind of a happy ever and happy ever after in that respect um so yeah he's 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 good that's good happy ever after but not happy happy ever ending because it never ends no, is it it will no, go it never ends no my um my daughter and son-in-law um they go away every weekend every weekend every every year on the anniversary in fact last last week on the 16th of january was the anniversary of lucy may's death and they go away every year on on the nearest weekend so i'm booked to babysit every every 16th of january weekend and look after my other grandchildren and they go away they spend time on their own and they they take that time to remember lucy may and that's their special time together i think that's a really important thing to do because we on the 6th of december every year is when our Christmas starts 
um, because Elliot was born on the 6th of December, we put our Christmas decorations up on that day and we put the tree up and that's our way of, you know, remembering Elliot, but also starting our Christmas. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because of the time of year it was, it was incredibly difficult to separate the two, you know, um, especially when you've got other children, you know, it's very hard when you've got other children. They, you know, especially young children, their understanding levels are, you know, how do you start to explain to children about stillbirth and death of children when, you know, when you struggle yourself to even comprehend it, it's a very difficult thing. So the 6th of December every year, and we do try to go away. Last year, actually, we went we took went to pantomime and things like that over the weekend of, which would have been his birthday. And it was a really nice thing to do. It was a nice little token to him and a start of our Christmas. So I think it's good to do things like that. Yes, I do too. Do, do you... Do you do, do your friends talk to you about Elliot? Yeah, uh, yeah, they do. It's never really instigated by anybody else. Do you know what I mean? That's that again. I think it's the fear of upsetting somebody. You know, yes. so talking about Elliot to me is never really instigated by anybody other than myself. But I'm quite happy to talk about him, and you know, and when people, I think when people know that I'm comfortable with it, they will then ask questions. Um, so yeah, well, you know, it's it's. I've got pictures of my children around the home. So, you know, they're there for discussion, for memories and things like that. So, Yes, brilliant. And I'm sure as your children get older, how old are they now, Kelly? Um, my eldest has just turned 12. Uh, so Liliella's 12, Toby is 10, um, Isla is 7 and the little one is 3. So you've really got your hands full, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, it's good to be busy. And and your oldest two, um, they would have been aware of what happened at the time, Definitely, not yeah. necessarily understanding. So in terms of counselling, have, have they had any counselling? Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. My son, not so much because I'm not sure whether he's accepted it better or... Um, but my daughter, my daughter massively struggled for a long time and she had to have quite a lot of counselling because how it affected her was separation anxiety. Um, you know, she she really struggled doing play dates, sleepovers, being away from her family home, you know, anywhere. You know, if she wasn't at home with us, you know, the separation really drove her mad. Well, essentially, it was driving her mad. You know, she couldn't sleep at night. It was affecting her sleep. She kept thinking we was all going to die and burn in our sleep. It was really quite bad at one point. And, you know, that was a, you know, a side effect of losing her brother and without understanding. You know, I think all of a sudden a child is faced with losing somebody and they're not mentally old enough to understand their own mortality you know they start then questioning their own mortality and people around them and they start questioning you know it's not something that a child well should really be have to go through at such a young age is it it's 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 life but it's a sad factor that they're not emotionally equipped at that age to take on what's happened so absolutely um I presume the school were understanding and supportive were they uh not so much really um it was everything was really instigated by myself um 
again, I, d- I think it's just a lack of understanding um, of how grief affects people. I just think that it's, you know, it's just shied off, you know, because Liliella's anxiety was a very slow process you know it wasn't something that happened you know Elliot died the next month she was anxious you know this was a a progressive thing um so in I suppose in the eyes of the onlookers some people think well should be over that by now Mm. it's that old you know and um that was hard but once once they were on board they were very supportive but it was you know getting them to try and understand where she was at You've mentioned to me that you're writing a book. Mm-hmm. How, how is that? Um, what, what, yeah, what's the theme? How are you? How are you going to sort of pitch, pitching it? I'm pitching it as I'm calling it a mother's, um, the journey of grief through a mother's eyes. Um, just because I feel that I'm trying to write a book that I wish I could have read when I was feeling the way I was feeling. I wish that I could have just read something that was that was real, that you know, that maybe stung a bit, hurt a bit, but made me realise that I wasn't that person that's going mad, rocking in the corner, crying. You know, to make me understand that actually it's a process and it's okay to feel like this. And you know, because there were some times that I thought I was literally cracking up, and I I just would like to be able to write a book that could help somebody else in that way. I think that's a that's a really good um, good way of dealing with it for um, yourself and your family, but also as you say that there's not a lot out there. Um, when my granddaughter died, we were given a book called um, Angels in My Hair by Lorna Byrne. I don't know if you've come across that book. No, but there's a, I think there's a similar book that I was told to read by the, one of the counsellors, and it yeah, it wasn't. It was it was a nice book, but it did wasn't kind of what I needed. Yeah, and and at the time you need different things. Um, yeah, I've, um, I I think I read the book about a year year later um, in our family situation, and I found it very very comforting. So it's you know different things, different people. again. It's about different times as well, isn't yes. it? You know, yes. um, a book that that I read then. Maybe if I reread it now, I'd look at it in a different light. So it's a I think it's reading things at different times you process things differently you're Absolutely. a different, different timeline of your grief you'll be more receptive to different writing so yes yeah absolutely um okay so thank you very much for sharing your story kelly it's um it's not an easy topic to talk about and um i know it's you know some years since you lost elliot but it's still you know fresh as a daisy in your mind i'm sure and will always be so yeah yeah Thank you. And I asked people to choose two songs on the show, and you've chosen Fix You by Coldplay and Small Bump by Ed Sheeran. Yes, why, I have. Why did you choose both of those songs? Um, well, simply because of the topic we're talking about, obviously, um, the, the death of my twins um, back in 2005 when they were born. Um, 
just wanted to fix them. They were born, they were born alive. They lived for a small amount of time. And I always remember listening to the song when I was pregnant with them and always really liking it. And it would always come on and in, I'd walk into Asda and it would come on. I'd, I'd, I'd be in the car and it would come on. And I'd be like, oh, this is my song. Mm. Not knowing what was laid ahead of me, but it, it was just almost like the song was wrote for me. And I know that sounds really cheesy, but um, it, it was as soon as the twins passed away, I just knew that that was the song that I would have played at their funeral. So that was played there. And Small Bump was just one that I related to. It's not necessarily, obviously, you know, I went almost full term with Elliot. So it wasn't really a small bump at all. It was quite a large bump. Um, It was just a song that was, that I related to in emotionally. So yeah, both of those songs are in memory of my three children, Elliot, Louis and Corey. Oh, bless. Thank you very much, Kelly. Here are your songs coming up. Thank you very much.